Good morning, Steve Dales, Pet World on WGN with some great news. I love making announcements on this show that you might not have heard about. And this announcement, if you have a dog, matters a whole lot because so many dogs, so many dogs, so many dogs suffer from arthritis. And we've got good news. You are from Texas, right? Why, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been in the WGN radio studio before, though. Oh, correct? absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes. In fact, I grew up in northern Indiana, you know, near South Bend, so that's not that far of a trip. So of you a grew trick. up listening to WGN I radio? did. Yes. I absolutely did. Yeah, and now you're here. Oh, we're talking to Amy Shojai, a certified animal behavior consultant who, congratulations, we are at the convention of the American Veterinary Medical Association, based right here, just outside Chicago in Schaumburg. And in fact, you are now the recipient of the second Communications Veterinary Communications Award. Congratulations. Oh, thank you, Steve. It means a lot because you were there to... Well, uh, help present it. And uh, I know you were the first recipient of this and it's named for you. Yeah, which is crazy in itself. So I apologize. <laughs> you now have to go home with an award with my name on it. Well, uh, yes, you have one with my name on it. too. I do, so, in yes. fact, which I talked about uh, at the event. You are a certified animal behavior consultant. You've written 800,000 1,200 million a books few, or something. A few less than that. Well, 41 books or something? It's uh, mid-30s, I think, okay. and counting. Well, now you've got to hit 41 because I said that. Okay. <laughs> no problem. You'll prob Challenge accepted. No, you probably will pump one out but between now and the end of the interview uh, because you write them so quickly. This one is called Is My Dog Bored? You have a similar book about feline enrichment, which we'll talk about. Is my dog bored? How do you know if your dog is bored? Well, a lot of dogs, they don't have a job to do these days. And many of them were purpose-bred for specific jobs, whether that was herding or hunting or guarding uh, the, the family's children or chickens or whatever it might be. And if they don't have a job to do, a lot of dogs, especially when they're younger, they're going to find something to keep themselves occupied. And so, you know, you have a um, border collie, uh, in an apartment, uh, he's going to be unloading your sock drawer and hurting it and uh, hurting the children and, you know, basically driving you crazy. So you need to find things for dogs to do that are dog specific. And we need to think beyond, you know, just activities and uh, uh, toys and, and games like that, because think about how a dog acts and reacts in their world. So it doesn't have to be just, you know, hiding, hiding food, which is a good way to enrich their environment, you know, put their nose to work. But what about hiding a cell phone with a kind of a sound that they have to go hunt for the sound too? you know, enrich, use their senses. Uh, and that's a really fun game to teach the dog. You can do that inside the house. You can do that out in the yard. Um, a lot of people that, uh, train when we had our German Shepherd as a puppy, I was training for tracking. And so we would do streams, we would do little kibbles through the grass. And he had to find by sniffing the kibble all around the backyard. And it was great fun for him. He was so excited. And you can see their brains turn on and yeah. the excitement in them when they aren't just, you know, sitting. And it's fun to have them sit beside you on the sofa and watch TV. But they need to work their, their bodies and their brains. 
Well, and we know that by working their brains, in fact, that is, first of all, as tiring as working their bodies. I mean, think about it. When you took a big test afterwards, you were tired after taking that big test. Why would that be? Because thinking is actually tiring, but it's also beneficial. And we know that dogs that continue to learn through life are less likely to have cognitive dysfunction issues as they age, or maybe we push off those issues a little further down the road. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's also very helpful if you have noise phobic dogs that have learned other ways to deal with, um, with stressors in their life. So if you have a dog that has thunderstorm fears, of course, there's a lot of things that you can do. You can ask your veterinarian about taking, uh, taking the edge off of those. But if you have already worked with your dog and trained your dog, a dog cannot experience fear while they're also thinking and working out a puzzle. So you can give them a sniffing goal, a sniffing puzzle or obedience training tips, anything, you know, work, uh, some fun, uh, we've, we've talked before about indoor agility issues, if it's too hot to do that outside. So there's a number of ways you can enrich the environment and enrich your dog's life. And that's a bonding experience between the two of you also, because your dog is going to come to you and ask for some of these fun things. He's, he or she is going to tell you what, what they like. Absolutely true. Uh, we also know that enrichment can be fun for the entire family. So here's what I mean. Uh, yeah, well, let me back up one step. Here's what we did not do. And then we'll talk about how enrichment can be fun for the entire family. We didn't d- define exactly what enrichment is. What is it? Ah, okay. That's a great question. Enrichment basically is we've, we've taken dogs out of what their normal environment might have been. Uh, you know, back in the day, they maybe lived on the farm and they, uh, they worked the cows. They brought the cows in for milking in the evening, or they kept the, the foxes. Did? The dogs did. Or the, the dogs brought the cows in? Absolutely. I didn't know dogs did that. Yeah, absolutely. Did My, they actually milk the cows? They did too? not milk the cows. That was... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know All right, Stephen. Uh, no, my my uncle had um, uh, a farm, and his his Aussie would bring bring the cows back in to the barn every evening. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I mean, this was a working dog, um, or they maybe kept you know the guard dogs keep the foxes away from the chicken coop. All of these things that the dogs naturally did, and then we invited them into the parlor. They're they're sharing our pillow at night, so which is in wonderful. Short, but it's giving dogs an opportunity to be dogs. Yes, absolutely, okay. so, and use all of their use all of their senses. All right. So getting back to how the family can participate, uh, can if you have kids, young kids. Maybe it's too hot outside or too rainy outside or too snowy outside for them to be outside or the dog. So can they do things together? For example, can you take an empty box, put two of them together so it becomes a tunnel for the dog to go through, put treats in there, but have the kids, I'm talking young kids here, use crayons or something to draw pictures of the dog on the box and put the boxes together. The kids do that. Great idea. Great idea. I don't have two-legged kids. So these are these are some great ideas for parents that uh, do have children that are, you know, growing up with dogs. And of course, we talk about dog socialization as puppies. 
it's equally important to socialize children so that they accept dogs and cats as their as their friends and family members. That's a great idea. You can have the the, the children play games, uh, have the dog go through obedience drills with the child. Uh, maybe have the child hide uh, the puzzle toys around the house. Uh, there's some. F- Fun things like uh, licky mats that you can give oh, I dogs. Those. I love those sure. with, you know, spread it with peanut butter or something that uh, that the dog is going to oh, love. Oh, you mean the licky mats for the dog? For, oh, not for the children. Well, I don't I think for me. Yeah. And what we're talking I about. I would pay good money to see that, Steve. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have to talk. Uh, and will the money go to one of my charities? Absolutely. All right. You've got yourself a deal. What we're talking about. <laughs> are those mats. They look like little bath mats almost, and they can stick to something like the bathtub, for example, or you just put it down flat, and they've got little squares and triangles and things, and you put food in there. The idea is, and it could be low-fat, low-salt peanut butter. It could be kibble even. It could be moist dog or cat food, and the pet then has to work a bit to get the food out. It slows eating down a bit. It makes it more interesting. And we will talk about how Steve Dale will use one of these licky mats <laughs> and how you will see that happen on TikTok. I've now got an idea. Uh-oh. And we're talking cats and cat enrichment when we come back on WGN. Back with you on WGN Radio. I am on the board of the Every Cat Health Foundation funding cat health studies, an organization I know Amy Shojai, certified animal behavior consultant, is very familiar with. In fact, you serve on one of our committees. So thank you for that and thank you for your input. And we were talking about enrichment for dogs. And actually, licky mats can equally be used for cats, as long as it's not a puppy and they're not going to chew on this thing, or a kitten who potentially won't chew on it. And what they are are plastic mats. They're kind of like bath mats in some ways and that they've got those suction things on the bottom and you could stick it on somewhere or just lay it flat on carpeting or on anything you'd like and what it does because they have little triangles and circles and squares and you put the food moist dog moist cat food or treats on this thing it slows down feeding well, it also, licking is a natural way to uh, reduce stress. So if you have a stressed out dog or a stressed out kitty cat, that's something that can, just the process, you know, you see the cats that are overstressed and they start lick, 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 licking themselves and maybe self-barbering and then you need to, you know, consult with your veterinarian about what to do there. But if they're, you have a stressed out cat, a licking mat may be something that is a reward, and it's also self-soothing. Yes, so, absolutely true. Uh, so, and that's why veterinarians often use them in veterinary absolutely in in help. the yeah. clinic. Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's a great tool. It's fairly new. You can go to Amazon, and they're inexpensive, and there are many many choices out there. And you offered the idea of using a licking mat to enhance enrichment, and you can put them in different places, and the cat or dog has to find where they are. And then I suggest a cat or dog or human, and that would be me. So you said you would pay good money to see this. So if I use a licking mat, peanut butter okay with you? Sure. And we record it and do a TikTok video or something like that, Groucho underscore the funny cat then you will make a donation to the Every Cat Health Foundation. Absolutely. All right. You all heard it. 
you're going to be very careful about what you tell me on the radio <laughs> from here on in. All right. So let's talk about the book having to do with cats, which is called... Does my cat hate me? <laughs> Why is it called that? Well, because when cats do not have appropriate enrichment, they can act out in different ways that um, may make us feel like they don't really love me anymore. They may have, you know, scratching behaviors. They may uh, have hit or miss litter box behaviors. Uh, they may bite uh, because they're not getting the attention that they need or that they want. And so enrichment is a way because cats probably even more than dogs need enrichment. Our dogs, even small amounts, get to go outside. They get to go out in the yard, play frisbee. They get to, you know, go visit the the pet product stores. Cats are little homebodies. And unless you have an indoor-outdoor cat that is in a safe outdoor enclosure or that you're dealing with feral kitties that have their own set of issues. Most cats live indoors here in the United States. Now, in Europe, it's a little different, but in the U.S. Do you like catios? I love catios. Talk about them and explain what they are. Yes, a catio is a safe outdoor environment designed specifically for cats, and often it is multi-level, or it may be um, a series of tunnels and tubes that can run all around the backyard. Sometimes there is an entrance that can go from an open window in your house. So the cat gets to decide when they're going to go out and get fresh air and maybe chase a bug or see a butterfly or climb a tree that's out there within the confines of that. So it's a safe way to give your cat a natural taste of the world. Uh, So we were talking earlier about what enrichment is. We were defining what enrichment is. And I think something we both left out is uh, the opportunity for choice. Absolutely. And this is, this is a really important idea. It's a, it's a relatively new idea, I think. Uh, we're here at the uh, AVMA conference, and I attended a couple of sessions, uh, one that uh, Steve gave on choice. Oh, and, me? Oh. Uh, yes. Oh. And, uh, well, it, and it makes, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Whether, whether your dog or your cat, uh, I mean, Think you are walking your dog or your cat and um, people or people have come over to the house and everybody there loves, loves the cat and they want to pet the cat and they, uh, and the cat is going, oh, no way, I'm going underneath the bed. Or there's one person there that ignores the cat because they're allergic or they don't like cats or whatever. And what happens? That's the person the cat goes to because they're not going, oh, come here, kitty, 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 kitty. So the cat gets to make the choice. And, you know, as a child, I had relatives that wanted to pinch my cheeks and hug me that I didn't particularly want them doing that. Children don't get a choice often either. Well, with our pets, if you give them the choice and pay attention, they're going to tell you, yes, pet me here. Stop petting me there. Mm -hmm. I don't want this now, but later maybe. And that's going to make them want to interact with you that much more because they get to choose. All right. So we have about a minute left here. Your next book is called, Does My Cat Love Me? Did you know that? That's a great title, All right. So that'll be your next book. Okay. How do you know that your cat loves you? There are a number of ways, and cats are very subtle about it. The cat that sits beside you with his back to you, he's not ignoring you. He trusts you enormously. That's a cat 
declaration of love. The cat that sits across the, the, the room from you and gives a slow blink. Again, that's a cat in love. The cat that snuggles on your lap. There's all different ways. They're sharing their scent with you because you are family. So there's a number of ways that cats declare their undying love for us. Another would be you come home and the cat's waiting at the door for you. And another might be that your cat just simply sleeps with you. But that is a sign of, well, you're warm. That's one reason why. And it's been suggested that the cat is attracted to the heartbeats that we have. But I would argue it also means your cat loves you. And I would agree. I would absolutely agree. Okay. Well, it's great to see you again. It is so good to see you again. You're, you're great on the radio and you write. In fact, I think there's a new book coming out just now in the time that you've been on. <laughs> That's right. Yes. By well, we came up, well, we came up with, we came up idea. a title. Yeah, yes. And I'll yeah. credit you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So, but the book that you really wrote is called Does My Cat Hate Me? All right. Amy Shojai, S H O J A I. If you're looking for Amy's books, Congratulations again on what is a prestigious award. Thank you, Steve. It's the honor of my life. Thank you. I get mail. Yes, email to Steve at stevedale.tv. Dear Steve, with all my heart, my nine-month-old kitten is driving me crazy. She jumps up on kitchen counters, the refrigerator, and stove, spraying her with water, making loud noises, and slapping her behind. Don't do that. Doesn't matter. I'm a senior citizen. I'm frustrated. Can you help Yes, I can help. All cats, including kittens, most especially kittens, need vertical spaces to go. So in every room, and it sounds like the kitchen is the biggest issue here, provide some vertical space. Think outside the box, so to speak. Think of somewhere, a window ledge, somewhere where you say, and maybe it's a counter. Maybe you compromise and say, oh, the refrigerator, that's okay, but maybe not a counter. Never the stove. That's dangerous. But find a way that you can have a vertical space, be fun, provide food there, and your cat will go there instead of the places you don't want your kitten to go. Steve at stevedale.tv for your email. She is a friend, most importantly, Dr. Tammy Grubb, president of the International Veterinary Academy of Pain Management. That is so cool. Congratulations to you because I know that Uh, recognizing and then doing something about pain for our dogs and cats has been a passion of yours for a long time. Yeah, it really has been. And and thank you for the congratulations. This is my ultimate honor to be elected to lead this group. I voted for you. (laughs) Why, thank you. I'm in Chicago. I could vote for anybody for anything. (laughs) I'm not sure I'm as flattered as I was a minute ago. (laughs) No, it really is an honor. And, And there's so much to our group. The fact that we're international is very important because pain management for our pets is really worldwide, that we are focusing on pain in animals, all animals, and how to recognize it and treat it and teach students. And just it really is everybody's problem. So we're bringing in specialists and frontline practitioners and researchers and really trying to make a, a big push into a better quality of life for our patients. So when this first all began... Uh, there wasn't much of a focus some number of years ago. How, how, for example, how new is this organization? It's been we're 
roughly 20 years now. But you're right. It's been a slow progress for a while. And it's just because of that, not because we didn't have the passion. We have had amazing people as leaders in IVAPM. I've got some broad shoulders to stand on. But you're right. The the general population, the, the, the pet owners mostly, weren't recognizing pain in their pets. So they're not bringing them to the vet. And if we don't see the pet, we can't treat the pet. So why do we need pain management? But suddenly we really are taking off as owners are are being more educated and seeing pain and veterinarians now are developing a passion for treating something that we are getting more and more products to treat. So we are kind of on a a real upslope and I'm very excited. Uh, Two things that I want to talk to you about. One is something you taught me that there's all this research now because I've seen you speak several times. There's all this research now in people that pain and depression, chronic pain and depression are linked and mental well-being is linked to pain. If it's true for us, one might assume for sure for dogs it must be true and probably for cats as well. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. And you're 100% right. Well, I know, I only know that because of you. <laughs> and you still invited me to be with you on the show, you <laughs> crazy man. So the, so much research in human medicine, and there's proof after proof after proof that people with chronic pain very often develop some kind of anxiety disorder or fear, and vice versa. If they have an anxiety or fear disorder, they're very likely to develop chronic pain. Really? I mean, it is Yes, it can go either way. Huh. Tons of evidence. And you're absolutely right. It's a little bit harder for us to recognize in our animals. Um, pain's harder, but the, the anxiety is, is even even harder. But yes, we know there's just the pain pathway across mammalian species is completely well-preserved, meaning it's almost the same. So the pain is there. And then that anxiety and stress and fear pathway in the brain is also well-preserved. So of course there would be a correlation. We do have a little research on that. So for instance, Dr. Duncan LaSalle showed that cats with higher pain scores from arthritis were more likely to have a bad temperament and not want to be picked up and be less sociable. We also have a study in dogs that showed the dogs that were, that had noise phobia, so a fear, were more likely to also have osteoarthritis pain. So that went together. So we, we do have some research. Is that Dr. Bruin? Just, I think it was, but I'm not sure. But but I'm, I'm just curious myself. Uh, but the, the one more is that when cats uh, miss the litter box, Ooh. very often, it's not always. There's many, 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 many reasons why that can occur. But one reason is pain. Right. And some of what you describe are reasons for the human-animal bond fracturing, yes. including yes. missing the litter box for cats, and then that animal's relinquished. So pain over here... All the way, I'm holding my hand way out there. I'm holding another hand way in the other direction. <laughs> These two things don't seem connected. A cat missing the box, given up by the owner because of that. But it's really, if we had recognized pain early on, then the cat wouldn't be missing the box. You're right. It is so sad because you and I know that behavior is one of the main reasons that animals are relinquished to a shelter or even euthanized. And pain is a big part of behavior change. It's not the only one, but certainly it's a a huge part. And so those cats that miss the litter box, often they're just too painful to get into the litter box, go over the big side. Or once they're in, they kind of lean against the litter box to support themselves. So they're in, but the urine's out. Or cats that just hide under the bed because they're painful and owners say, oh, the cat and I just don't get along anymore. 
or dogs that don't want to go on walks or get snappy because they hurt. These are all behavior changes that we could solve if we had pain management recognition and then pain management treatment. Yeah, I was talking to Dr. Marty Becker in one of these interviews about some things that we're working on regarding dog bites and dog bite prevention and pain, pain. Actually, I brought up because that is one reason why dogs do bite. We know that's the case. A classic real-life example. Uh, I was called by uh, some number of years ago, Animal Care and Control in Chicago. Uh, The person who called me uh, was absolutely desperate. She said it was a golden retriever who had been in the family for many years. And it bit, I don't know, an 8, 9, 10-year-old child, somewhere in there. Uh, And on the hand who pet the dog as they were walking upstairs. I remember that for some reason. And this dog had never acted this way before. And I was so insistent. I said, please, because they were going to euthanize the dog because the family was so appalled and shocked that this happened and felt so horrible. I mean, they were all crying and all that. And the animal control said, you know, we don't want to euthanize this dog. The family was saying, euthanize this dog. And I said, please, 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 medical exam you know probably what's coming next. I do. Yeah, ear infection. Mm-hmm. And the dog lived out its entire life just fine until the age of whatever it was and was a wonderful family dog that grew up with the children in the family. Uh, so that wouldn't have happened, right. you know, if they didn't recognize the possibility of pain. I want to talk about a specific kind of pain, and that's arthritis in dogs and cats. Mm-hmm. And we will do that when we come back on WGN. Dr. Tammy Grubb is the president, and we are back with her, of the International Veterinary Academy of Pain Management. A very prestigious position, very important one, because it turns out far more, let me say that again, far more dogs and cats than we ever thought every day are suffering to some extent. And no one wants their pet to be in pain. So can you rattle off some of the data, let's start with cats, about how many cats, it's shocking, are living every day. And I want to talk specifically about arthritis pain. Yeah, very good. And you're right. So I'm going to make it far, far, just to top you. So arthritis pain, (laughs) arthritis is the most common cause of chronic pain in all mammals, including us and dogs and cats. And you're right. So many of them are suffering and cats are good at hiding it. So their owners don't see it. So they don't bring them to us to treat. So they just keep suffering. So the statistics, 40% of all cats and dogs have some degree of arthritis pain because it's not just an old age disease. It can happen in younger patients as well, just more common in our older pets. But as those the cat ages, 60% of cats over the age of six, which is not an old cat, have some pain from osteoarthritis or arthritis. And then our poor senior cats, greater than 90%, almost all of our senior cats have some degree of pain from arthritis. And you know, we're not treating nearly that many cats, not even close. And in fact, I saw some data today. I can't tell you where it's from. Uh, it's a marketing, Zoetis Marketing, I think, was that last year, 2022, only roughly 40% of all the cats that are out there even saw a vet. Yeah. And that wasn't probably a very small percentage of those for pain. So, no, we're not, we're not treating enough. Yeah, you could have seen that data from me, actually. But I know, that, I know that's true. Uh, so let's talk about dogs. Uh, dogs, so many are overweight or obese. We're talking about half of the dogs or more uh, fall into that category. Our dogs are living longer than ever before. 
uh, we're, are we seeing a lot of arthritis in dogs as well? Yes, definitely. The, and it also increases with age, but I just want to make the comment again, it's not just an old age dog an old age problem. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to really be an aging problem even. If our dogs are healthy, appropriate weight, as you said, appropriate nutrition, but sometimes they damage a joint or have to have surgery on a joint. So there are certainly some dogs that are prone to arthritis for other reasons than being overweight or bad nutrition. But there's a lot that we there, could... There can be a genetic predisposition in individual dogs like there is yeah. in individual people. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you combine all that together at the end of the day, most of our cats and probably most of our dogs have some degree of osteoarthritis, as it's called. And depending on whether we're talking cat or dog, cats in particular, it's been challenging to treat this historically, but now there's something new. There is something new. And you're right. Just really quick, back to the dogs. I didn't know the exact stats, but I can tell you it's close to the cats that, that as they age, the percentage increases and by a horrific amount. And back to what's new for mm-hmm. cats, there's an amazing new drug out called Labrella, and it's an anti-nerve growth factor monoclonal antibody. That's a mouthful. That's the one for dogs. <laughs> and then for Thanks cats. Thanks for saying that. Not, I've not had enough coffee. That's okay. And then for cats, Silencia, yes. which is also, thank you, an anti-nerve growth factor monoclonal antibody. So there you go. We talked about both of them already. All right. So... <laughs> They are similar in some ways that they're both what's called a monoclonal antibody. You'll explain what that is in a moment. However, they're not similar in that the dog one is for dogs. Labrella's for dogs. It's made for dogs, created for dogs, approved for dogs, for dogs. Silencia, same thing, but for cats, correct? That, that's absolutely right. And of course, it had to be that way because cats need their own things, right? They don't <laughs> want to share everything with dogs. And of it course. also makes it safer because it's a very species-specific product then. And you're right. They're both anti-nerve growth factor. Nerve growth factor Explain is... Explain what that is. It's a very, very potent pain generator and propagator. It's nasty. It plays a lot of roles in the pain pathway, starting the pain and then amplifying the pain. And it's interesting because as... As we learn more and more about pain and probably everything in medicine, we find new targets like, ooh, this drug didn't didn't solve everybody's pain. I wonder why. Oh, because here's a new target. And nerve growth factor is one of those new targets. And it's been – this is an injectable. So for cats, that's a godsend <gasps> because yes. it's not a pill. Uh, and for dogs, that's fine. Uh, and for cats, we've – so the dog one, which is again called Labrella, isn't out yet but will be soon. Let's talk about cats for a moment. The success that is out there is like uh, beyond what I ever would have thought from what people are telling me. What are people telling you? Oh, people telling me and then my own experience in my my practice, it's amazing. I mean, some of those cats, it's just absolutely miraculous. And even in the cats where maybe you don't see them jumping up to eight feet ledges anymore, what we see is change in quality of life. And so, yes, mobility is a big part of it. But what I hear from owners a lot is, you know, he's sitting in my lap and purring again. He hasn't done that in years. Or, you know, he's just with the family. So that quality of life, and yes, I mean, absolutely amazing. Yeah. And here's a really interesting thing that uh, because I, I talk about this as you do uh, at veterinary meetings, etc. And I was talking at a cat show, believe it or not. And uh, I, I said, this is an injection. It's a monthly injection. You should be taking your cat to the veterinarian every month for this injection. And that means the carrier comes out. And then I was talking about how to get cats into the carrier. We don't have time to go into detail about that now, but I was doing that 
talk that I do, right? You're leaving out the carrier all the time and doing all these things. And this one woman said, I have a problem. I said, yeah. And I was expecting her to say, when the carrier comes out, my cat dives under the sofa, which I hear all the time. She said, when I take the carrier out now, I can't open it up fast enough. And the cat runs in. She said, my cat was never like this. In fact, I had to chase the cat around the house to get the cat screaming into the carrier. I don't have to do that anymore. A carrier is an empty box, essentially, right? You get a delivery from FedEx or wherever. You get the box and who's in it instantly? A cat, (laughs) right? It's an empty box. The cat should love it. They should love the security of the carrier. But they don't because they learn the carrier then means something they don't like is going to happen. But they this cat anyway, and I've talked to other people since, many. Their cats have made the reverse – and the reverse, they put the points together, the dots together in a reverse way. They apparently understand I'm going to feel better now because of this, which I think is just astounding. Have you heard the same? Oh, I see it in my practice too. It's amazing. And you know, first of all, thank you for teaching owners about the carrier. That has been our excuse for everything about cats for so long, like get over the problem and fix it because it's not just about pain. It's about everything medical. So thank you for doing sure. that. And it, the owners just need to learn. They didn't, how would you know? And I love your comparison. It's a box they should get in. So thank you for all of that. It's a problem we need to solve. And I, I agree. It's amazing. Cats, as they're coming in for their monthly injections. First of all, owners bring them in at a much higher percentage than anybody ever thought they would. Once they see the response, they're bringing their cats back in. Not all of them. We're not perfect, but a a very high percent, over 70% is the, the market number. And we are seeing the same thing. The cats, either it's habituation or I'm with you. I think it's pain relief. It's like, okay, last time I got in that, it didn't hurt. And so off we go. They are much easier to handle in the vet clinic. So on the the, the pet, pet parent end and the veterinarian end, I really think it's pain relief. I'm like you. I, it's really amazing. Yeah. I, I, I never thought about that happening. But once this person at a cat show said to me, this happened, I thought, this makes perfect sense. So now whenever I talk about it, I ask people about it. And some say just as exactly as you did. Yes, this is what my clients are telling me. A pleasure to talk to you always. She is the queen of pain. And pain make, management. Queen yes, of pain management. <laughs> better. Way better. And and making a difference. A huge difference. Again, the products we're talking about, Silencia, and there's nothing else like it for cats. Uh, and for dogs, it's on the way. It's called Labrella. And this is, to me, you tell me if you agree, game changers. Oh, a hundred percent agree. Absolute game changers for the cat or dog. They get pain relief for the pet owner. They don't have to give their pets medication at home and they see the pain relief. So they're happier. And for veterinarians and veterinary technicians, good for us because we know the animal got their, their, their drug, right? It's a hundred percent compliance because we gave it. (laughs) And a big thanks back to you because yeah, you know, we all make our difference, but you broadcast our differences. You well, you put our voices out there, so you make an even bigger impact, I think, by reaching more people. So thanks back to you. Oh, it's kind of you to say, Dr. Tammy Grubb, thank you so much. Thank you. Do you buy pet food? Well, everything's changed. Well, at least the labeling will change soon. From the Association of American Feed Control Officials, the acronym is AFCO. So if you buy pet food... 97, 98% of all pet foods have that AFCO 
seal of approval. And you do need to see that on a pet food. I wouldn't buy a pet food that doesn't have that. Having said that, finally, after years of working on this, the labels will make some changes. First of all, nutritional facts will be clear and they will be updated to look like the nutritional facts we see on our own foods when we buy food. It's different now on pet foods and it's difficult to read. Not so much, I hope, in the future. The intended use statement updated for a new location on the lower third of the front display always. So, No matter what brand you buy, it'll always say it in the same place. Say what? Well, say something like, this food is for senior dogs or senior cats or it's hairball control or whatever it might be. It'll be in the same place on every pet food, no matter what brand you buy. The ingredient statement will be updated to clarify the use of consistent terminology to allow the parentheticals and common or unusual names for, or usual names rather, for vitamins. So in other words, it'll be stuff we can understand. It won't be in this nutrition ease or in tiny, 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 tiny print that anyone over the age of 21 won't be able to read because it is so small you cannot see it without a microscope. All of that will change soon. And by my way of thinking, It's about time, and it's all good news. So look for that soon on Pet Food Labeling. We'll talk to you bright and early next week right here on WGN.